0: I remember I said to dad at one point that I was going okay and he said to me like almost not bragging but I'm doing good sort of thing in that world and he goes yeah but son but you're you're profiting off other people's misery
1: Mm.
0: and I was like Jesus Christ you know that one really hit me
1: I'm Jason and I'm Maddie And this is Making Sense of Chaos.
0: Uh, Okay, I'm James Harding, one of the founders with my wife of Hard Cuddles. Um, I'm a counsellor, husband, father of five kids, um, avid um, reptile and fish, um, not collector, just enthusiast. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I love anything to do with the salt water. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess um, for me, I was thinking about it this morning. My whole story really comes down to the people that looked after me when I was growing up. And one, one uh, two in particular, my grandparents, my nana and grandpa, who, who were Sri Lankan. My mum's Sri Lankan. My dad's Australian, so I'm a half-breed. And um, but because all when mum and dad got together, because all dad's side had passed away, um, I was raised with a really sort of full on, not full on, I won't say that, just a, a Sri Lankan upbringing. Mm. And that surprises a lot, of, a lot of people. But I spent a lot of time with my grandfather, Dennis Gramps, I called him. And this man was highly educated. He was, um, he could speak Tamil, he could speak Sinhalese, he could speak Latin and English um and he was a wordsmith he knew how to communicate with people he was highly eccentric Mm. so he retired and he'd stand out the front of his house and he knew everyone in his street so I was always hanging around with him because the year he retired is the year I was born so I was always with my grandparents I only lived in the next street I was really lucky there
1: yeah
0: so they had a huge influence on my life my nana and um grand gramps and um yeah, he would, he would badger people in his street and, and put them on the spot and ask them how much they were earning and made them made feel really uncomfortable. He thought that was the funniest thing ever and um, he'd demand to know what you brought him, if you brought him a present. Um, he'd say Happy New Year's every, every time he met you. Like just, he was just diff- very different. Yeah. And he'd take me visiting. What we used to call visiting, where you just go on walks and meet other, go to other Sri Lankan families that we were friends with, or aunties and uncles, because he was one of heaps by memory. And um, so that was my early sort of upbringing, I think. And he played, he had a huge influence on my life because I guess my ability to communicate and listen and connect with people, I think, really started with him. Mm. The, the more I think about it because he was so funny and and uh he asked you really personal questions but he had a way of doing it that would put you at ease mm. and then obviously my nana too she, she they were the only two people that I would really listen to other than my mum and dad because I was pretty naughty and um I guess I would have had some sort of learning difficulty because I struggled to concentrate at school and this became a a, a lifelong thing, just not being able to sit still and always being able and needing to be moving or doing something. So school was a bit of a hassle for me. But the other man I wanted to mention too was my grandfather on my dad's side, who I never met. He passed away just before I was born. But from what my father tells me, me and him are exactly the same. He was um, had an addictive personality, enjoyed hanging out at the pub with his mates. Uh, he served in Papua New Guinea, so he. He experienced, obviously, saw some things over there that came back and he I guess he enjoyed the camaraderie of hanging around with the boys at the pub and he was um, a bit of a raconteur. I guess he was a bit of a rascal, mum said. Good dancer, very good looking, mm. very capable with the women, gambler, um, even though I'm not a gambler, but that's the genre. That's sort of, I reckon that's the perfect explanation of who I am as a person across between those two sort of people. In my yeah. life, and um, yeah, look, I wasn't ever when I finished high school, I wasn't ever just going to sort of sit back and wait for things to happen. I'm one of those people that I was ready to go in and start investigating and making mistakes and learning, and mm. um, anything that was exciting appealed to me, you know, like, yeah,
1: yeah, and you currently you're working with men who use violence towards their partners. And I imagine one doesn't just fall into that kind of role accidentally. Um, maybe you could, you know, give us a bit of an overview and, you know, go as personal as you feel comfortable, but how did you actually get there from being that kid with your grandparents and yeah. walking around with your grandpa? Where, what, what, what's the gap between there and how you made it to where you are now?
0: Yeah, so I, everyone, yeah, no worries. Well, it starts with trauma, really. Like you, everyone experiences varying degrees of trauma, whether that be emotional, physical, both. Um, but mine were probably significant in regards to what I saw at a, at a reasonably young age, uh, bitten by a dog at nine, Rippy ripped the calf off my leg and I, I had to hold my calf to my leg. Uh, that was pretty traumatic and then get, seeing my mate get attacked at a party, uh, sorry, walking home from a party with this, these two guys with swords and and not being able to, being too scared to actually do anything about it was um, probably the launching pad for a lot of stuff because, you know, first bit of trauma and then, then a little bit of more trauma and it was a similar theme and I thought, well, if this is going to continue, I'm going to be on the front foot or I'm going to be aggressive enough to make sure people don't know I'm an easy target because I could see this happening again. And yeah. when you're young and you're a guy and, you know, being able to handle yourself and being aggressive, and it's important. It really is. Like my son's experiencing some bullying at the moment and we're working through that. Um, but I get to see it again, what it was like. For me, and and I guess I became hyper vigilant, protective, always on guard, um, super aware, um, used my intuition, and, and um, but again, I was if it was if I felt it was something was going to happen, I was first to go.
1: Yeah, after so it was those kind bits of, of- yeah. kind of like that um, mentality of you know I'm I can see that people can be really bad. And if I have to get on the front foot first, I'm going to attack before I'm attacked myself. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's with that. And then so, but, so that's, I guess that's the physical body in some sense. The emotional body was scared. I felt like a coward. I couldn't talk to anyone about it. Um, I thought everyone knew I was a coward. So I developed this massive chip that went into my shoulder on my shoulder and uh, I had plenty to prove and I was starting to fill out as a young bloke and um, get a bit bigger and, um, yeah, it's all sort of coincided. Um, the, tra- the emotional trauma, the drugs helped and uh, for a period of time and alcohol, sex, um, that all helped for a period of time. But ultimately I was pretending because I come from a good family that my parents are still married. I went to a decent school. I finished school mm. in that in the world I was in for a good eight years, according to mum, I was around people that were born into the organized crime world serious people mm. now it, underneath it all, I was able to I was able to handle myself, but I felt like a pretender because I looked at some of my friends at the time and they didn't have any like I had an ex I didn't have any excuses. they were born into that world. It's all they knew, whereas I was like always felt like, what am I you know what this is only a part time thing for me mm. but um, we go, I gave it a nudge, like um no stone unturned sort of thing, and um met really serious people and was involved in some very serious incidents um nearly lost my life, overdosed one night um and saw. You know what's funny about this? Often, not often, but it occurs to me, if I had died that night, no one would have known because I was at that point, pushed everyone away from me. Mm. So it was like a 12-hour throw-up thing. I was throwing up for 12 hours and it sort of went real dark and I'll never forget it, like a black man came up, a black wizard went went like that and I'm not sure what that meant. I'm still not sure whether he was saying enough or... We're gonna let you off the hook, but you make all sorts of promises when you when you see when you get when you feel like you're about to die. All you want to do is live. Yeah. And I was making all sorts of promises upstairs to God, and um, yeah, and that and then when I was pistol, I was pistol whipped and by a really serious operator, and had the gun put in my mouth and all that sort of carry on, and I just remember thinking, wow. And then a friend of mine's dad was murdered and um, that was it. I went to the funeral afterwards and then started making preparations to leave the state. Like I wasn't, I wasn't under threat at all, but I was just like it's now or never. I was right on that sort of whether to go full on or just retreat. And I did. I retreated. I was, I'd had enough and still took another 10 years of, of growth after that. And asking the question, it was actually my sister, God love it. Um, so when I was getting well, I had two attempts. So I had the first attempt, which was to get off the chemicals. And I did that by myself, as I said, just before I, um, just after I overdosed. So I got real serious, sent all my girlfriend at the time stuff back. I broke up with her because we were toxic together. And um, I was left with like a pillow. I slept on the floor. I was left with a pillow, a doona, a wooden chair, and a radio and two dumbbells. That's it. That's
1: in that it. House. Nothing the whole else. life, yeah. Hmm. For six months. How old months, were you at that point? Sorry? How old were you at that point?
0: 24?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I knew what I was doing and just started lighting incense and drinking a lot of water. Like I hadn't drunk water, I don't think, in years. Like hmm. I hadn't slept from Thursday to Sunday night. In ages, like that was just the job. Like I'd be out all weekend, all weekend, from party to party, and or nightclub to nightclub, or whatever I was doing. It was all nocturnal, and um, so I needed to reset, and that was ho- that was horrible in the best possible way because I lost my mind, but got really comfortable with myself as a person for the first time ever. So imagine going from a super stimulated, high vibration, high energy world where you have to be alert and on all the time and rah, 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 police and all this sort of stuff to nothing. And on top of that, no drugs. So I effectively turned around and started facing all the carnage and chaos that I'd created. And, um, you know, that was horrifying enough, but then, you know, I, cause I went mad at it. To give you an example, I was obsessively washing my hands mm. like how I'd used style. And, um, I, I, uh, yeah, I went mad. I went absolutely mad during that period, and I could have bought new. I could have bought a bed and a mattress and stuff after the three month mark. But I got used to it. I got used to that Spartan living, and I just, I just during that period, I knew I was on the ropes, and I knew I was, I knew I was re- really battling. But, and I could have gone home, but I thought to myself, well, what's the point of all this? drama that you've been through if you can't punch through this moment in your life and step up as a person without any other help and just see if you can do it and then I was like all right let's do this you know like really talking to myself and um I did it and it was amazing it was amazing like some of the nights I was sleeping on the floor I just had a sheet on the floor i just get up and just take it to the bath and just wring it out it was just sweating and night, nightmares, not being able to sleep, shaking and all that crap. And only an addict will understand what I've just explained That It was horrendous. So got through that, moved up the coast, um, played local footy, got a job, was around good country people, started to trust them, started to trust myself and realised that they just, I could just be me.
1: What was the... um? we just sort of slow it down for a sec what what was the what was the pull towards something different like what what was the hope that you could have something different or that you wanted something different
0: yeah so when I was coming good see this is life's all about timing you're either in sync or you're not Mm. and um I got myself right and then all of a sudden my younger brother and this makes me emotional because I've been told this before but um, he always kept in contact with me because I didn't speak to my family for a long time. Yeah. And I, that really hurt them. Yeah. And and me. But um, he reached out. So we were on and off contact during that period. He just kept me in the loop with what was going on. And we're very different people, me and my brother. Love the pieces, but we're very different people. And um, he just reached out and was like, what's up sort of thing. And I was like. I was in a, I was better so I felt okay to to see him because I was pretty skinny like there were periods of time where I didn't eat and I was pretty crook yeah, it was pretty crook and um anyway I was I was sort of walking and doing those arm weights and I was feeling better and then I started going down to a hotel at the Orong hotel and sort of reconnecting with people slowly but really keeping to myself because I was pretty banged up and I didn't know what I had to offer people like I was still really very much in the early stages of recovery and I said, oh, look, Paulie, I've started going down to this hotel and people there are good and I think the owners of the hotel at that particular time, being hoteliers or publicans, would have read my situation blind. Yeah. In hindsight, because I would have, I would now. And um, they were really kind to me, those two people that owned that pub and um, – my brother and me started going there regularly and then all of a sudden it was okay to go back home. And, um, that's, that's when I said, I just need to, I just need to leave. And I knew where I had to go. I knew in my heart where, where I had to go. It was just over the border in New South Wales, a place called Marimbula, which Mm. most Victorians have most, most Victorians have been there or holidayed there. And, um, yeah, I just knew I needed to get there intuitively. It all came from here, my heart and moved up there and pulled the right rein again and then all of a sudden I started to fall ass into good luck. Mm. But I became part of the community up there. You know that connection I, I you feel it off country people when they say something, you can guarantee it's going to happen. Yeah. And I like that. Like I like that level of accountability and like it, it can get watered down that accountability in the city because there's more people up there. If if you're not a person of your word, you're a you know you're a wanker really, and people know, so you're accountable. Um, and I yeah that that was good for me. That was like um, very healing. That place that's always got a, um, a bit of my heart up there. I think. Yeah, it's
1: amazing. Like, um, just that. That sense of connection that started so small, like from those guys that were running the pub.
0: No, it was a uh, wife and husband. Oh, wife, yeah.
1: wife and husband. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then your brother, and then people in the town, and then that, I guess that connection heals, and it's what you do now as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I come back, and it was one. There were no women. That was the problem. Right now, I'm. I'd toned down my addictive nature, especially in regards to sex, because I was out of control.
1: Yeah.
0: But, like, I wasn't a monk, and I just thought, oh, God, if I met a girl up here, there's a chance I couldn't, co- I wouldn't come back. You know, I would have stayed up there, but it wasn't meant to be. Came back, and it was one big party. Went on for about eight months.
1: Mm.
0: Um, and then I think I rang my old man in tears one day because um, I was – I said to my sister, I said to my, I said to my dad first. I was in tears. I said, I can't, I just, I can't get it right. I don't seem to be able to get it right down here. I keep making mistakes. I can't stand who I am, and I don't know how to be a normal human being. I just wanna, I just wanna work, and I just wanna put my ass down. And um, I don't know what he said, the old man, but it was chin, like more or less, chin up, mate, shoulders back. Good things happen to good people. A day later, my godfather rings and um he offered me some work at his fruit shop. Wow. So I don't know if Dad made the call or what happened, but or it just happened, I don't know. But I was still pretty banged up, and my godfather Steve was so good to me, he was so patient and nurturing, and because I used to test him because I was still a prick of a thing, really. Um it's still very much ego. It was very much ego driven. I didn't I sort of lost myself again in those eight months and but Stevie put me put me together again. And um I sort of never looked back after that. That was I just that was the chance I needed. But I've got to give a lot of credit to my sister because I'd seen two counsellors and two women and they were both fantastic but I wasn't ready. Mm. I just wasn't ready. Like they were good counsellors, and I still think about some of the stuff they said to me to this day. So phenomenal, but I needed something more. And before it became fashionable, the word "spiritual," I guess that's how you would describe my mother and sister. Before it became this thing that it is now, I just laugh. It's like it's. <laughs> I it what different. was
1: it about? What was it about how they were with you that?
0: So it was fluid. It was like. She my sister took me to a healer. And like I, I was I was not a non-believer because some strange stuff's happened to me over the journey, but I was um I was like, I'll just go and I'll do it because my sister said this this'll work. So I went down there and went in there and she just blew my head off for about 90 minutes, moved some energy around in my body, made me hold on to crystals and told me things that nobody knows about. Like, call me out in the most beautiful way. Like, you know, explain to me about angels and the people that are protecting you and why you've been so freaking lucky and you haven't gone to jail and you haven't got a, you know, you haven't got a, a mark against a record. Like, I've just been that lucky. And this was before when I was in running muck before camera phones as well. Like, that's changed this landscape dramatically. So my sister, and then all of a sudden I was able to communicate in a language that really encapsulated how I was feeling because mm. I was taught a certain certain words and stuff. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. And I started using them. And then the whole healing world opened up to me because I was so open to it. Like it was just all these amazing energy healers and kinesiologists and acupuncturists and it just, and that's the way that's the way it went. And it was my sister who can channel and do Reiki, and is incredibly talented, and has done a lot of body work and healing work on me as well. And is still a beacon of of uh, light for me, and when I'm struggling to this day.
1: Yeah. And
0: um, so it was her. It was her and Mum. Like and my sister made it happen. Wow, mm,
1: wow. Well, well. So James. I'm wondering like with you that, cause you went from sort of 100 to zero, like how did you, there, there were probably elements of your life that um, were just gone when you left that world. How did, what did you do with all that, that, that void of like, <laughs> you know, like they, you know, even though they're probably, they had their negative connotations obviously and their consequences that they, they still serve some kind of purpose.
0: for people. Yeah. So I'll be real clear. Um, yeah. So um, if if I'm simplifying it, there's the line, right, and that's the righty, the right thing. And, and yeah. What I, you're either on one side or the other or you're doing your best to walk the line now. I just struggled for so long to walk the line. So I've gotten lost on both sides and I've yeah. met people on both sides and I still know all the people on both sides of the, doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Yeah. I just don't judge because I've done the wrong thing and I know how hard it is, how easy it is to lose your way. So I'm still, the people that I was using drugs with at the time had to go. Now, the healer said straight away, she said, you are actually ready for this. And she said, be prepared for all these people to drop off. And she went through them. So I was. And it was disheartening, you know, to know that it was a drug thing. A few of them have come good. But a lot of people from that world I'm still very much friends with. And now I just I sort of balance that out. I know probably that was my whole world. Now it's probably thirty percent of that that I kept with the real good ones as friends, and sort of moved towards doing the right thing and, and socialising and spending time with people that were doing what I wanted to do or, or doing better than I was doing, mm. and people that I could aspire to. But I, I I still very much keep in contact with with certain people because I care they're great people. Some of them. It's just that it's like the deck with the, their hand. They just played the hand they were dealt, and unfortunately, it wasn't for some of it wasn't a, a great hand. But they, I, I kept the ones that played as best they can.
1: Mm.
0: I mm. kept those people in my life. Mm.
1: Mm. So, when you look back on on some of the decisions you're making back then when you were just in that world. Um, And, you know, if I can ask you a hard question, the harm that you were causing towards others when you're in that world. Yeah. How do you process that now?
0: Well, you know, I don't blame anyone, that's for sure. It was just, Mm. when you're running an addiction, it's, you're just so selfish. Mm. And it was all about me and what I could get and what I could take. And I would be nice to people if I knew I could get something. Yeah. So I was doing business. I wasn't, it was just awful. And I remember I said to dad at one point that I was going okay. And he said to me, like almost, not bragging, but, I'm doing good, sort of thing, in that world, and he goes, "Yeah, but son, but you're you're profiting off other people's misery," Mm. and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" You know that one really hit me, and it's those, I guess, those little punches like that off the old man when I was speaking to him, and people that are around me at the time that were trying to help me, like I had interventions called and from really good people, and the. People that could see what I was, what I had as a human and, and how lost I'd got. Yeah. And they were able to sort of bring it back. But dealing with that, it haunts you. Like I say to guys that I work with now in prison, it's not the stuff you get caught for. It's the stuff you get away with that haunts you, mate.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, and when it comes up, I've got to practice what I preach and immediately communicate it with the people that, that look after me. Otherwise, you can easily get caught up in that vortex of ne- negativity.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like what you're saying there around that because um, I think it, it's so hard to put in words and you've done it really well around that, that cycle of shame, like, you know, that, yeah. that shame that, that people feel towards themselves. And then they, they either direct that inward or outward. Yeah. Push it towards others and create more pain in others and tr- sort of transfer their own pain onto someone else.
0: Yeah. Um, and you know what? During yeah. this time, mm. this whole time, like I started to get quite soft mm. towards the end because, so the writing was on the wall here, here because. The first time I saw Goodwill hunting, I knew I wanted to do what Robin Williams did. And huh. me, yeah. in my heart, I just knew it straight away. And yeah. I had to go on, I had to get some life experience though first. And I got my ass chewed and spat out that many times in Melbourne. Um, but how do I say it? It's towards the end of that world. I was giving people wriggle room when I was supposed to go and collect money. And I'd listen to their stories and, I became empathy and compassion and all this stuff that I'd lost slowly started seeping back through and I could feel it. And you can't be like that in that world.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it was
0: was coming, like the white wolf woke up. I don't know if you've heard that parable, the black wolf and the white wolf. But it was like the white wolf woke up. Yeah. And it was like, I've had enough and I'm going to start, I'm going to start making some noise. And then I started listening to people and and throughout that whole time um, I was always what saved me was this I've got an excellent memory for stuff that I care about
1: Mm.
0: I've got highly intuitive and I'm an excellent listener now those three things I was able to listen to people's stories listen to their mistakes listen to what the things they did right I was able to retain that information because I'm a kinesthetic learner and I was able to get hands-on with them and and ask them lots of different questions and understand it because if you put instructions in front of me, that's that's useless to me. I can't do it.
1: Mm. But
0: if you show me how to do something. So I was really hands-on and getting down and dirty and hearing people's stories and listening and then retaining the information and using that information to not make the mistakes that some of the people that I knew had. And in a lot of ways I was counselling people or whatever you want to call it, mentoring, peer support. It's but it started back then and i knew i knew what i was good at i just didn't know how to get there
1: yeah 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 and it sounds like it's funny that it almost ironic that it started when you were not meant to be feeling those things like the you know if you're feeling those things when you're in the crime world then it's not helpful
0: <laughs> and so you, it was say you in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so like I'll give you an example. Yeah. Say you meet a serious head. Yeah. Like he might he might have a few notches under his belt, like he's killed a couple of people, or
1: yeah.
0: Um he's he's super dangerous and everybody knows who he is. Like if I got the opportunity to meet a person like that towards the end, I'd be like, you know, make them feel comfortable and then we'd go so much deeper than like I'd want to know how how you became like that.
1: Mm. Mm. So
0: when I dig what I noticed is especially in that world there's a lot of unresolved trauma especially in that world and if you give people a chance like ask them and show them I'm really interested in your story anyone yeah especially in that world they're just like
1: right like it's it's, just it's
0: like yeah it's yeah. it's just incredible.
1: Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a really um interesting topic, right. Is that like, cause I'm, you know, we're working with guys in that world at the moment and I've, ne- I don't think I've ever met someone who's had a perfect childhood or even a good childhood. Um, yeah. And, and, and not, not that, not that trauma is an excuse for offending, but it's all tied up in, in this mess, you know, like that, I heard it described so well by someone the other day that you sort of act in the opposite way to how you're feeling deep down. Like if you're I don't know if you've seen this amongst the guys you work with, but if, you know, if you're feeling really vulnerable, um, to, to chuck away that vulnerability, then you become powerful. You know, you take control, you take too much control and you, you just, you just swap it. So you go from powerless to powerful and, you know, weak to, to aggressive, whatever you need to do to just get your uncomfortable feelings away that you don't know how to deal with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's spot on. Um, Trev, who who's like my great mentor, he talks about like the front cover and the back cover, which is basically what you said. Mm. And, I mean, the front cover is what you show people, your back cover is what's real and in between is like this, this foreign person, and I guess it's about getting those two covers together and being yeah, comfortable right. with who you are, and and also the the back cover and the cover being completely opposite to each other. I think that's exactly what I see, mm. 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 especially with men.
1: Yeah, yeah. What what usually is that vulnerability? And if you want to speak about yourself here or other people you have work with, what? I'm curious, like what you. See, so is that vulnerability that that comes right before the violence? You know, right before the decision to 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 be aggressive towards their partner or their kids or whatever. What is that vulnerability about?
0: Yeah, it's. I've talked to lots of guys about like what what was going through your mind
1: mm.
0: when you when you've when you've committed the act, and mm. and everyone says it was a split second decision,
1: right. Yeah,
0: like haven't haven't. It's just been. There's been no thought. Yeah. There's been no awareness. There's been no consciousness. As Denzel said the other day about Will Smith, the devil gets a hold of you. You know, like.
1: Yeah.
0: I'd love to know the the inner workings of the brain, and the more I understand people, the more I realize less, the less the more I realize I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, yep. it's an it's an irony, but. I don't know, I think when men get put on show or feel like their word is being questioned, that's where it gets dangerous.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: If you've got a a violent man that feels like, you know, someone's taking the piss out of him and there's people laughing at him or... um, the Other, what was the other one that I just said? The um, or their words getting questioned like that's a slide, me, a slide slight of character. That's when I've noticed guys go right off
1: to, to me. That screams insecurity, deep mm. insecurity, scared of, of being questioned, of not being taken seriously. Yep, yeah, mm, mm, mm. so. <sighs> There's so much here, like, I mean, I feel like I could go down a million different paths um, yeah. because the work you're doing is so important and interesting. Um, I guess I guess one, one way we could start with this is how, how do people justify um, the violence that they cause?
0: Well, you can't if you're going to work with me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a prerequisite. Like, if you're yeah. going to... If you're going to make excuses and put up walls and put mm. try to play the victim or not take ownership of your shit mm. you don't get a you don't get a look in mm. now the all the organizations we work for um are pretty good at screening they know we can do the work and it doesn't matter what you've done, but you've got to be willing to go back through it in detail with me
1: mm.
0: and you're going to get real comfortable with your story and it can't be blaming or right. Yeah. Or putting it on other people, you gotta take full responsibility, otherwise it's not gonna happen.
1: Right.
0: Right. I'm very clear and honest about that at the start. And um I think that's the 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 foundation of something very real for people like that. Like stand up. Yep. I had to. Every, like I don't know, I guess if you No one no one is um no one is like can escape this this thing that we all at some stage in our life have to take ownership mm. of our stuff mm. mm. no matter what it is and it's that the guys some of the guys I work with it's incredible to see what they do what they're capable of when they do stop making excuses even even little excuses can can turn into big excuses
1: yeah yeah
0: you no know, and and watching them do that when they when they get it right it's, it's 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 empowering
1: what do they confront when they have to stop making excuses
0: themselves or the alter their ego the black wolf they have to mm. that that black wolf that's been eating dining out with them for so long that, i mean i think well, most of us have two voices the right and wrong and mm. it's like they've just listened to the in a lot of ways listened to the wrong voice for that long it's just become part of their dna Yeah. So redirecting, I guess, and not only going through the trauma or slowly going through the trauma, um, opens that door for the white wolf to sort of walk in, and they have their own. Like everyone has their own answers. You just, you just have to ask the right questions, and it's more empowering when you do it yourself as a person.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's what I'm encouraging the guys I work with in prison. Not only that. They're influencing guys in the yard, yeah indirectly, yeah. and if we started at one prison, we work in most of the prisons there's not one I think i can't um, can't think we're working in, but so it's gone across that philosophy has gone across a lot of prisons, and it's like the answers are all within enough of the excuses, and if you're ready to rock and roll let's get serious you know i'd do it for free if I had to for a guy that was dead serious in prison I would do it for Mm.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: because you punch right through it. Like I've been really blessed too to have people. my My father was brutal when I was growing up with the truth. So when I was capable of hearing it and understanding it myself and then not only understanding it but using it and then getting good at using it, well, there's a way of doing that too, I think, especially with guys. I think of um holding people accountable but leaving them with respect. Yes. So not, yeah. So they're not so they're not feeling fo- like you are charging them but they're not feeling on show. You're not questioning their word, you're offering an, uh, another viewpoint or perspective that Yeah. You give people enough wiggle room. Um anyone's going to try and wriggle out of a really tight spot, but if you just I don't know, if you're there and say like, look man I'm here for you but let's yeah. let's get serious about things.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, And I imagine, you know, if you do it, it's it's probably a delicate tightrope because if you do it in a way that could potentially create more shame, then shut down effect. Yeah. Like um, I remember I used to work in a rehab and people used to say all the time, oh, I drink, I'd feel like a shit person. And then I drink on that shame and then it would keep going yeah. I, I don't know if it's the same with the guys you work with. That, you know, if, you, if they, they feel too much shame, they're just going to keep going to their default pattern of behaviour. Yeah.
0: yeah. And really worried about, that's spot on too, what you said. And yeah. they're really worried about um, letting people down.
1: Mm. Like mm. that's it.
0: That's, <clears throat> pardon me, that's at the forefront of their minds. That's massive. And I'm generalising, a sweeping generalisation mm. across the, um, Number of people we work with, and um, like saying, "Oh, I hope I get." Wrong. It's like, Man, I hope I no get problem. what? Sorry,
1: I didn't hear when that. They
0: get out of prison. They hope right turn their life around. It's yeah. like, dude, there's no hope involved in it. It's choices,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's yeah. Cho- it's choices.
1: Mm. So yeah, yeah. So when you work with these guys. Um, is there any part of you that sees yourself in them? In all of them. Yeah.
0: In every single one of them. Yeah. There'll be one, if not many things, like even if I'm working with, you know, a serious violent offender that's done horrible things, there'll always be one thing in his personality or one bit of his story that I'll be like, oh, yeah, I can relate to that.
1: Can you give an example? Anything
0: comes Yeah. Mind. Um, so, yeah, I've got a good short story to share with you on this. A kid, he's not a kid; he's twenty six. Is um, the most? He's just a beautiful young man. Um, how do I say this? I just he's just like a twenty six year old version of myself.
1: Hmm. Shit. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and he's and he's fun, and we got him right. Like he. His mum his and dad asked me to work with him. Um, he was really sick uh, running a, an ice addiction. And he, I, I remember him telling me at the time he would, like, check cars for change. Mm. He was really sort of and, – and, and hanging around the wrong people, same stuff. But So when, I, when he walked in the room the first time, it was just an immediate connection because I saw myself. Not that I ever got that low, but there were time. Actually, there was. There were times when I couldn't feed myself. I did didn't do that though. But um, yeah. So we got him right. It took us about two. It, we got him right pretty quickly, but and he went off on a hiatus and did his own thing and did really well and finished his carpentry apprenticeship or and got a good another good job and he's got a good, two kids now and he's come back into into the fold now as. Um, as a as a mentor and a poster boy for what we represent. But I was with his dad the other day watching him play footy with his dad and his daughter and one of my kids and it was just the most beautiful thing because I'm sitting there thinking like it was just a great – I was I was like proud. I was so proud of – I was so proud of him. I was so proud of our friendship. I was so proud of right place at the right time. I was so proud I was able to get that connection with him and – and feel the love and see myself in him because that made it really easy when I could see myself because I knew exactly intuitively I knew what he needed.
1: Was it like certain personality characteristics that you saw in yourself?
0: Yeah. yeah. I talked to him the way I would, wanted to be talked to because the truth is back then I would have loved a guy like I am now.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I talked to him the exactly the same way. I would have liked to have talk, been talked to back then. Yeah. Because that person, even though he's in the rearview mirror, that version of myself, I can still recall it like it was yesterday. And Yeah, so we got to sit there with his dad and it was beautiful, but I was at the canteen and I got a tap on the shoulder and there was another guy that had came and seen me once at, up at the beach where I do all my sessions in person. And he was suicidal when I met him. Like he was, like he'd given up. Mm. There's nothing sadder than that. And I had him laughing by the end of the session at some of the things he shared and how similar we all are. And Mm. he's tapping me on the shoulder now. I turn around, and he's lost ten kilos. And you can see in his face, it's a different person. And it was a big hug, and he was just like, "Thanks, mate." And I got back home, and my son was there with me. And he would never remember this because he was too little. He's too little. But I got home and explained that to my wife and thought, we're not doing too bad here. Mm. We're not doing too bad at this work.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. That's That you can just have those impacts. And it's also, it's probably not that one individual person because everyone impacts their own circle. Like when Mm. one person changes, then their whole circle sees that. And then that has little sort of flow-on effects. And then, you know, if this guy's having kids, his kids are seeing a different person than what they would have seen
0: if, yeah.
1: if he hadn't worked through his stuff. So it's all such a domino, flow-on kind of effect.
0: And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. And and thanks very much. For that. It's mm. kind, But with him, I think what he explains to me now is he was also, he would he would be reactive and aggressive, but, what he said he learned was being able to communicate how what he was experiencing.
1: Right. And right.
0: It, took him, it took him a while, but it takes all of I mean, we're all unfinished work, I guess, in a lot of ways. But with him and then even now, he's obviously now he's just a friend and he's welcome to my house anytime, which is what happens with all the guys that come through our program at the end of it. We, I've just got a heap of. Fr- I've got a lot of friends. Mm. So he comes over to our house now. He's looking for a partner at, at the moment, or um, yeah, I get, I get. Or, or he's he's looking for the right the right person to spend the rest of his life with. Now, me and my wife are by no means perfect, but we've got five kids, and um, the, with that comes a lot of patience, understanding each other, um, relenting, apologising and um, challenging each other. Now, I don't pull any punches when we do this. Like, I don't think anyone should, when me and my wife talk or we can have a robust discussion in front of everyone and still leave each other with respect and love and agree to disagree. And now I guess we're, what he said to us is, mod, is we're modelling rather than explaining how you should do something. We're modelling it. And I think for him to be able to sit back and watch when he comes over, what what's going to work for him i mean those our circles continue
1: yeah like
0: if you look at our logo this is just luck too. it was just a good logo there's lots of circles intertwined
1: cool
0: and you never really you're never really out of those circles i guess in a lot of ways we're always sort of we're always sort of working working towards something better aren't we
1: yeah 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 and it's a beautiful beautiful place to sort of um to sort of finish it up on, because I think that's the work that, that symbolizes the work that you're doing where people you're allowing people to constantly look for change as well and constantly hope for something better, um, and not stay stuck.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And I I think, yeah, yeah, I think the viewpoints is we just did a intuitive healing workshop with, um, my mentor Trevor and his wife with 10 other people up Mm. at the gold coast and, um, you said we're just going to discuss viewpoints today and I just love the way you put that and I've started using it because rather than telling someone this is what you have to do because I hate being told what to do, yeah. whereas if you ask me,
1: yeah,
0: I'll drop everything.
1: Yeah,
0: But discussing viewpoints is so fluid and it leaves it open to different interpretations and there really isn't a right and wrong then and all of a sudden mm. there's understanding and it's like... Wow, so more than anything, I think offering viewpoints and and being able to be there for people is um, in a lot of ways, I think what's missing because I don't want to harp on about this, but I was there before phone started, and I was there after and I'm glad for that because I do enjoy my my iphone it's it still blows me away but and we've never been more connected through technology but I can firmly say that the real connection that I shared before phones is very different to the connection that's out there now. And I think that's what we're offering. And I think we're in the right place at the right time with everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to bash technology because I used to, and it just sounds silly because it's, it's the way of the world now, but, um, yeah it's it's um it's an interesting it's well, interesting to watch the difference
1: yeah well it's funny you say that um I was with my partner the other day and we were just sort of going to the beach and I was like no i'm not I'm not going to take my phone um see I just didn't want that barrier in between the connection like it's so easy to to have the phone there and then it's like there's this third party always in the room with you you're like yep they Work could text me. I could get a text from someone, call, whatever, and it's it's so annoying. You can't fully focus in on the on the connection. And
0: um, yeah, actually, well, that's so true. It yeah. is the third person. It's like yeah. They carry their own energy, their own presence, yeah. Yeah. and it, and it's so vacuous. Like it's yeah. like oh no, I, I won't anyway. More yeah. power to you because any opportunity I get,
1: mm.
0: I'll leave it at home.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and especially when I'm going to mum and uh, mum and dad's or Kate's parents for dinner, mm. I can just leave it home. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Things are shifting. The land, as I said before, the landscape's shifting so quickly. But one thing I'm real proud of, I'll tell you that. Um, spending a lot of time around Pacific Island people, there's a there's a theme called Island Time. Have you heard about this? No, no. So when you're on the live on the island, Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, Tahiti, wherever we're talking about here, those beautiful islands, they don't run to a clock. It's called island time. You rock up when you rock up. and you, you just, yeah. It's complete freedom. And I just love that concept. But what we have now, an allowance my wife's created for myself called James Time. Yeah. So what that means is if I'm going to go somewhere, in like there's 3,706 people in our community. Mm. Last time I checked. so if, And well, I know a fair few of them. So if I'm going to go out and get some milk or go anywhere, the chances are I'm going to see someone that I know and we're going to have a very real conversation. Mm. And that might, you can say, I'll get a pass for an extra hour wherever I'm going now <laughs> for James' time. And, I mean, how beautiful is that?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: like I got back for the other day and she goes, like I think I was about half an hour late. And she, she just giggled. She goes, who are you talking to? <laughs> I said, oh, the principal. She goes. She started laughing her head off. She goes, "What this time?" And I said, "Actually, it was about core strength and um, well-being." <laughs> and she just laughed. She goes, "It's just typical." She said, "You'll talk to anyone." How cool is that to come from an absolute shitbag and a turd and um, were, a general no-gooder?
1: Well, you're doing what your grandpa was doing in a way.
0: Yeah, that's that's and that and I've never mentioned it. And I, I was. <laughs> Glad that we did this today, cause yeah. I want, the, I want, I'm looking forward to Mum and my sister hearing it because um, mm. this is the truth. Like they, knew, they'll, they'll, everyone will be like, yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad we caught up, James, and uh, yeah, just,
1: just want to thank you for being so open and been um, and real and um, yeah for sharing what you do. So cool thanks
0: yeah thanks for having me
1: that was making sense of chaos as always we would love to hear your thoughts send us a dm a voice message on instagram at making sense of chaos all one word or on twitter at msoc underscore pod thanks and we'll see you next time